Hey, true crime friends. Welcome back to another episode of True Crime in Academia. As always, I am your host and recently uninfected, Mary DePippi. I hope you are all having a wonderful end of your week. I hope you have a great weekend coming up. Do not forget to follow True Crime and Academia on Instagram and TikTok at True Crime and Academia and on Twitter at TC and Academia. This week's case and the next couple of weeks, these cases are coming from a new Hulu series. Um, I believe it's an ABC series as well called Death in the Dorms. So each week from now, minus the Patreon episode, but now until I finish the series, which only has one season right now, I will just be covering those cases from the beginning until the last one. I'm not going to go out of order. It's going to be the same order as the episodes, that is. So, without any further ado, let's get into the first episode. Now, the first episode of the Death in the Dorms series is the murder of Andrea Del Vasco. On the morning of September 21st, 2015, in Westwood, California, Sarah Muir called 911 around 6.15 a.m. She had been awoken to screams in her apartment complex. Now, Sarah, like most of the people living in this apartment complex, were college students attending UCLA. LAPD officers were dispatched to the area, and they searched around the courtyard of the complex, but they couldn't find any probable cause or really anything out of the ordinary. So, they left. About a half hour later, Sarah called police again, this time because she saw flames coming from one of her neighbor's apartments. Firefighters arrived on the scene and determined that the origin of the fire had come from a trash can that was set on fire on one of the beds in the apartment. On the bed was the burned remains of 21-year-old psychology student Andrea Del Vesco and her barely alive pup named Shea Panda. Andrea Del Vesco was a native of Austin, Texas. She lived there with her younger sister, older brother, and her parents. She was described as having a huge sense of adventure. She loved the outdoors, going bike riding, hiking. She also loved learning and reading and going to museums. And when it was time for her to go to college, her parents had hoped that she was going to go to the University of Chicago, like her brother. That way, you know, they could look out for each other. But when she finally got all of her acceptance letters, she decided on UCLA. And so this fun-loving girl who, you know, just always wanted to help people went to start her journey to becoming a psychologist at UCLA. At some time during her time during college, Andrea rescued a Chihuahua Terrier mix named Shea Panda. And she and her roommates just loved this dog. I mean, obviously she loved the dog more than her roommates. But, you know, it was still kind of like this fun adventure for all of them. You know, they kind of all had Shea Panda as kind of like their pet, I guess. You know, because she was in their apartment all the time, obviously. She lived there, so... Andrea was also a part of a sorority called Pi Beta Pi. She had been out late the night of September 20th into the early morning of September 21st, helping her sisters prepare for sorority rush week. 
Now, this also included a skit. So basically, they're making signs, they're making props, they're doing all these things in preparation for Rush Week. Now, her roommate, Jessica, remembers seeing Andrea going to bed around 3 a.m. because she went to bed not too much later. At some point later in the morning, Jessica woke up to one of her other roommates screaming and banging on her door. When she woke up, she saw smoke coming out from underneath. Jessica and her other roommate ran to Andrea's room and screamed her name and banged on the door just hoping to wake her up. But the fire was so overwhelming and they exhausted everything they could to try and get Andrea awake that they knew that they just needed to get out themselves in order to save themselves. The fire department obviously came and it took them a really long time to put the fire out. And once they put the fire out, they discover Andrea's body on her bed. Her body was so charred that it was difficult for anyone to make an identification. But officers were certain that this had to be Andrea Del Vesco because it was her room and she was the only one in the building that was not there. At the foot of her bed, they found Shea Panda, who was still just barely alive and suffering from burns and smoke inhalation. She was rushed to the EMTs, given first aid, and taken to an animal hospital. After the fire department and officials searched the scene, they determined that the fire was set intentionally. Andrea's body was taken for an autopsy. The medical examiner determined that she had been stabbed 19 times. Two of the stab wounds were to her neck and would have cut her major arteries. There was also no evidence of smoke inhalation, meaning that she was dead before the fire had started. Police discovered the 911 call made by Sarah Muir, who was also one of Andrea's sorority sisters. Sarah had been out celebrating her 21st birthday that weekend with her boyfriend, who had flown into town to visit for this. At 5.30 a.m., Sarah leaves with her boyfriend to take him to the airport. When she gets back, she tries to sleep for an hour because she has work the next day. And she's awoken by these screams and a dog barking. Now, she knew that Andrea, or Andy as everyone called her, lived below her. And obviously she knew that she had Shay, but she stated that the entire time that Shay was at that apartment and that she knew Shay, or that even Andy had had Shay, Shay just never barked. So she knew it could be Andy and Shay that, you know, that Andy was screaming and that Shay was barking, you know, and just had this pit in her stomach that something was wrong. But because police couldn't find any probable cause before, you know, she tried to relax and just convince herself that everything was okay. Sarah had actually also attempted to call Andy's phone a few times with no success, because of this, that's why she calls 911, and she waits on the balcony for police to arrive. Sarah stated that later, as I had mentioned, you know, that she did not feel any relief when the police left. After talking with her roommate a few minutes later, she hears a huge bang and glass shatter, and she runs to the balcony, and she sees a man leaving Andy's apartment at the same time that she sees these flames. Instantly, she just decides to run after him. And she noticed that this guy gets into a red car with Greek letters, a.k.a. on the back of the window. 
It was then that Sarah could hear the fire alarms go off and residents of the complex just funneled out. Later that morning back in Texas, Alexis, Andrea's younger sister, gets a call during school from Andrea's best friend and basically asks her if she knows what happened. Sadly, obviously, Alexis didn't know, and her friend tells her what happens. The police obviously contact the Delvescos, and they tell Mr. Delvesco that they can't really tell them anything until they get to L.A. Andrea's mother, of course, calls another friend of Andrea's, And, you know, is like, what happened? And thankfully, she tells her that there was a fire and everyone made it out except for Andy. At around 9 p.m., police are approached by two other UCLA students that lived in an apartment complex across the street from Andy's apartment. They inform the police that they had a break-in earlier that morning and some of their belongings were stolen. Specifically, Sonos speakers. And now what's interesting about these speakers is that they have to be registered online in order to use. Now, because of the time that these two students say that it occurred and the proximity of Andrea's apartment, they figured that there has to be some connection here. Police call Sonos and ask them to be notified if these specific speakers, the ones that were stolen, come online and if they can give them the IP address or the email address if someone tries to register them in a different email. At around 12 a.m., Andrea's family arrive at LAX. The chief of LAPD explained to the family what had happened to Andrea and the realization that Andy's death became real to the family. Her mother had asked to see her, but officers wouldn't allow it until the autopsy was complete. After they leave the police department, they headed toward their hotel. But the Davescos received texts from two of Andrea's friends telling them that Shea Panda, her dog, was severely in a distressed condition and was just in severe condition. So they instead drove to the animal hospital to see Shay. When they arrive, Shay is in a glass crate. And the vets inform the family that Shay was just really suffering and she was not likely going to survive so they agreed to have Shay put down and join Andrea now this was honestly probably one of the hardest parts of this episode for me I don't cry during true crime documentaries I just I don't but as some of you may know I lost my dog over a month ago um he was really sick and he had to be put down But he was also put in a glass crate like she's describing. So I just want to let you all know what that is. That is how pets receive oxygen. So for humans, they put a mask or their tubes that they stick up your nose. But obviously you can't do that with an animal because you can't explain it to them like what it is. So they have to be put in this clear glass crate thing that just pumps fresh oxygen and air into the crate to help the animal breathe better and you know I'm sorry I'm a little emotional here but um you know seeing this part and hearing about Shay Panda just it crushed me 
For anyone who's ever lost a pet, you know how excruciating it is. And it's even more excruciating when they're sick before they pass. So, yeah, it was very difficult. And, you know, I knew that I was going to be mad (laughs) regardless, you know, because obviously a dog was harmed during this murder. And and then just like the similarities, not that you know, my dog had anything similar to that, but he did have breathing problems toward the end. So, yeah, it was just really difficult to watch, and it was just so hard to know that there was some piece of shit responsible for this. You know, obviously, Andrew's death, and, you know, I don't know whether he knew it or not, but, like, you know, whether this person, her killer, attempted to, you know, kill the dog as well, or, you know, unintentionally... Either way, you don't fucking hurt animals and you don't fucking hurt children. You just don't. (sighs) Now, during the investigation, police uncovered a drug possession arrest against Andrea. And they were kind of curious if there could have if that could have been the motive for her death. However, the charge was so minor. It was honestly a stretch. But, of course, the media ate this shit up and tried to tarnish Andrea's reputation and labeled her as a drug dealer. Many of her friends and family were completely devastated by the media's reports and how they just reduced her to a drug dealer. You've heard me talk about my amazing friend Mandy before. She makes the best crochet, cre-cut, and custom home decor for reasonable prices. If you're looking for a -a one-of-a-kind gift or some new decor to add some new life into your home, look no further. Mandy has got you. I have quite a few items from her, ranging from a crocheted headband to Halloween decor items to my amazing and adorable Coraline ornament. Um, If you guys haven't noticed, I'm, like, obsessed with Coraline, and I just love how Mandy makes it. She's also made me a Coraline doll that sits next to all of my true crime books. To order, just slide in her DMs on Facebook and Instagram at Mandy Made It. That's M-A-N-D-E-E, Made It, on Facebook and Instagram. Once again, go to Mandy Made It on Facebook and Instagram, send her a DM, and order today. The real story behind Andrea's drug charge was because she had gotten some drugs that she would sometimes sell in small quantities to her friends. Translation basically means that she was the only one of her friends who had a connect. You know, we all have that one friend or had that one friend in college who knew someone. So you would have them buy the drugs for you and then you would buy it, you know, reimburse them, essentially. And... Actually, in one of the case files, it said that she had Adderall on her, which, not saying it's right, but a lot of college kids do it. So, again, it's not like this was some, like, huge conspiracy and that she was so far in with dealing drugs and with hardened criminals that, you know, that was the possibility for why she was killed. It wasn't. But, like I said, the media smelled the story, so they just ran with the rumors that they were either given or just created. Police got a break in the case when the Sonos speakers that they were trying to locate that had been stolen from the neighbors across the street 
had been tried to be re-registered under a different email. This email belonged to a Fresno, California resident. So LAPD detectives took the long drive to Fresno to speak with this person. Immediately, they could tell that this guy was nervous, but he explained to police that he was borrowing these speakers from his roommate, a man named Alberto Medina. Alberto Medina was a 22-year-old student at Fresno State University who studied social work and psychology. His roommate stated that Alberto went to visit a friend who went to UCLA over the weekend. And when he came back, he came bearing these Sono speakers. Now, detectives believed this roommate to be credible, and he was. He also offered up Medina's location. Medina was immediately taken into custody for the burglaries and was questioned by LAPD about Andrea's murder. He tells them that, yes, he went to L.A. to visit his friend Eric. Now, Eric Marquez is a pre-med student at UCLA, and like Alberto, neither of them had a criminal record. He said that they went to a concert and then walked around and tried to find some parties. At first, he denies stealing the speakers, but when confronted with the evidence, he totally changes his story and says that, yes, he did take them, but he did it because some guys at one of the parties that they were at was being a dick. Okay. He also admits to being really drunk and places himself across the street from Andrea Del Vesco's apartment around the time of her murder. Alberto then takes a shift and starts to blame Eric saying that he went across the street with a white, blonde, skinny girl. He also reveals the name of the girl being something like Andy. He said that Eric goes over with Andy to have sex with her, but soon after he comes out saying that he and Alberto need to leave and that he beat the shit out of this girl. And that's a direct quote from the police interview with Alberto. After Alberto is interviewed, he is taken to L.A. to identify Eric Marquez. Eric is subsequently interviewed, and he tells police that, yes, they went out looking for parties, but they returned to his apartment and slept until around 8.30. Now, with these two different stories, police aren't sure who is really telling the truth here. So police decide to pull up security cameras at Eric's apartment. The footage shows the two leaving the apartment around 4.30 a.m., and it showed that they returned to Eric's apartment around 7.06 a.m. with Alberto wearing a red blanket around him, which just so happened to be similar to the one that Sarah had described as the suspect wearing when she saw him leave Andy's room and then, you know, chased him to the car. Detectives decide that they want to give Eric another chance to tell the truth. So they show him this footage. Eric tells him he was extremely drunk and can't remember any details from the time of the murder. Both men were arrested for the burglary charges and taken to Van Nuys County Jail, where they were examined for evidence like cuts or scrapes. To no one's surprise, Eric didn't have any. But Alberto had several scratches consistent with being in a fight or a struggle. 
Police obtain a search warrant for Medina's home, and there they find several pieces of evidence, including the red car with the AKA or Atlanta, I think it's Alandia. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. I was never in Greek life, so I'm sorry. But it's Alandia Chi Alpha. Now, he was a part of that fraternity, but had been suspended for violating the code of conduct. Police also find blood smears on the outside and inside of the car. And in his room, they find a black trash bag containing Andy's red Snuggie, a.k.a. the red blanket he was seen wearing, a bloody tank top that was consistent with the one that he was wearing in the surveillance video, and a bloody knife that had matched a knife set that came from Andrea's apartment. Eric was not found responsible for Andrea's death, but was found responsible for the burglary. Now, to be fair, there wasn't any evidence that Eric knew that Alberto was going to kill Andrea. However, he did get charged with like aiding and abetting after the fact and being an accomplice after the fact. He received a sentence of two years and eight months, which means at the time of this, I'm pretty sure he's out or he's about to be out if he's not already. Now, he should be out. I do that math correctly yeah so he's out police and the prosecution determined that Alberto must have seen Andrea from her balcony then later that night he entered her room through the French doors that led out to the balcony he then attempts to rape Andy before grabbing a knife from her kitchen and stabs her 19 times when he hears the police From the first call that Sarah makes when she first hears Andy screaming, he lays low until they leave and then decides he needs to cover up for his crime. So he sets the trash in the trash can on fire and puts it on her bed to destroy any and all evidence. In December of 2017, the trial for Alberto begins. Alberto is charged with Andrea's murder, the burglary of her neighbors across the street, and animal cruelty because of the fire that led to Shea Panda's death. He was sentenced to life without parole on September 22, 2018. Many of the people who attended this trial stated that Alberto showed little to no remorse and was just cold and not caring. And I, from the little clips that I've seen of him at trial... That's consistent. He didn't seem upset or sorry of anything. He just looks like he's annoyed and mad that he has to be there. Which, I mean, it's just so pointless and it was so stupid. Like, such a fucking idiot. And then, like, that led to this girl, this girl who had such a bright future ahead of her and her incredible little dog had to die because of this dude being so stupid and drunk and whatever. I don't really care what his reasonings are. Like, you don't just fucking do that. And then to have no remorse after the fact and, like, blame it on your best friend who went to who you went to visit and then, like, just not really show any emotion at all during the trial when her parents are, like, giving their impact statement. I mean... How cruel can you be? And the fact that he was going for social work and psychology is just beyond me. I don't understand how someone could do what he did, show no remorse, be someone who 
wanted to go to school to help people. It just, it doesn't make sense to me. I think maybe he has some ego issues, but as we all know, I'm not a psychologist, so I don't know. But that is all I have for you today, my darlings. That is the case on the murder of Andrea Del Vesco. I will be back next week with episode two of Death in the Dorms. As always, if you're looking for extra content, go to patreon.com slash ivorytowerboilerroom and become a subscriber. You will have access to episodes like the Casey Anthony that I went into a deep dive with, um, the murder of JonBenet Ramsey, and most recently, the Night Stalker. So if you want to listen to those, go to patreon.com slash ivorytowerboilerroom and become a subscriber. And until next week, my darlings, I will see you later. I want to personally shout out Kim Dallas, who first joined the Ivory Tower Boiler Room as an intern from Stony Brook University. She is graduating this spring, and we are so thankful that she then after her internship came onto the team as our film editor and audio editor, and we are going to miss her. She's leaving us, but she we all know here is going to have such a bright future in media. Thank you, Kim, from myself, Andrew Rimby, and from Mary, and from the spring interns. We can't wait to see what you do in your career. Bye, Kim. Thank you so much for listening to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. This is Andrew Rimby. I really hope you follow us on social media because that's where you get to see all of the exciting video clips, teasers, and humorous moments. So follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Ivory Tower Boiler Room and on our Twitter at Ivory Boiler Room. I hope you all are following the Ivory Tower Boiler Room Cafe and become a member for only $5. You get all of our interviews and episodes ad-free. You also get to watch the video interviews. You get to see my lovely face and the guest's lovely face. And you get access to all the bonus episodes. So Dr. Jake Newsom talking about the history of the pink triangle. Zach Topping talking about being an army vet and what that meant when he wrote a war novel and a dystopian novel. You get to hear Gregory Maguire's breaking news about the Wicked movie musical. Jesse Green talking about Richard Rogers and Oscar Hammerstein. And what did Stephen Sondheim actually think about Rogers and Hammerstein? So head to patreon.com slash ivory tower boiler room. Please, please provide me an iced coffee. I would love it because I need to stay up to do all these edits. So yeah, see you all in the Ivory Tower Boiler Room Cafe. And here is Mary DePippi from True Crime and Academia. Hi, everyone. I am Mary DePippi. As Andrew said, I am the host of True Crime and Academia. True Crime and Academia airs on Fridays at 730. Now to find all things True Crime and Academia, you can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at True Crime and Academia or on Twitter at TC and Academia because, well, they hate it when you have too many characters. Like I said, True Crime and Academia airs on Fridays at 730s. But if you are a subscriber, you get a bonus episode. That's right. A whole episode just to yourselves that no one else gets to hear. Like... I do a deep dive on the case of JonBenet Ramsey. I deep dive Casey Anthony. We talk about the history of the lobotomy. And most recently, we talked about the Night Stalker himself, Richard Ramirez. 
So if you want to access all of that extra wonderful content, go to patreon.com slash ivory tower boiler room. And like Andrew said, if you could just please buy us a nice coffee, that would that would be great. That would be really, yes. really great. It would be great. We appreciate it. We also interact with all of you on Patreon. So ask us your insightful questions. We will answer them for you. And we want to thank our spring 23 interns, Andrea, Caitlin, Rosie, and Sheila. Thank you so much. And we can't wait to see you all back again in the ivory tower boiler room. Happy winter, everyone. <laughs>